Hello there, and welcome to Long Distance Joy, conversations between two long-distance friends about faith, culture, life, and all the things that bring us joy. I'm Lizzie. I live in uh, North Texas with my husband and my son, and I work as a client manager for a tax consulting firm. And I'm Abby. I live in the D.C., Washington, D.C. area, working in the nonprofit world um, as a recruiter, so helping people find their right fit in the workplace. We're so glad you're here, and we can't wait to get started. Wonderful. Thank you. Hello. How's it going? Doing great. How are you? Go ahead. Sorry for the technical difficulties. <laughs> oh, no problem. I wasn't sure if it was your end or my end. <laughs> no problem at all. I'm glad that we could finally connect. And this is one of the topics we've been looking forward to talking about. Yes, absolutely. I know I was thinking about it this morning and I've got lots of great ideas. So um, I'll go ahead and kick off our, our topic. It's uh, the topic of vocations specifically the differences between uh, being single versus being married, which is something that I know Abby and I have discussed at length, and we're excited, much so. excited to share Alrighty. with you guys. <laughs> so how should we, do you want to kind of <laughs> share your perspective first, or should I go first? Your call. Yeah, um, so I want to kind of start it off by by really fleshing out the, the term uh, vocation, and I know for me, um, it's been a journey to really determine what what vocation means and how that really applies to my life. Um, I know when I was younger, like in grade school, I thought vocation was like almost like picking up a phone, like it's a call, it's something specific, and it's one specific thing that you're supposed to do. Um, I think I was kind of playing that off of the lives of the saints where they had a specific thing to do, like Joan of Arc. She had a very specific call to a very specific task. But as I grew older, um, I realized it's a very fluid concept. And even though you can know your vocation, that vocation can still, what that looks like realistically can still change. So for example, um, when I was discerning marriage with my husband, I had thought, okay, once you know who you're marrying, that you're marrying someone and who you are marrying, you that's it. You know your vocation. But I think it's a very fluid concept, almost like, packing a like God gives you a backpack and path that I've set you on. But the things in this spiritual backpack are gonna help you answer that call mm-hmm. e- differently each and every day. And so discerning marriage is not just okay, I've discerned marriage <laughs> to this one person. There we go, I'm done. It has a lot to do with, you know, am I called to being to having children right now? Am I called to um, move and take this job? Is my husband called to do that? It looks different and it's a very fluid journey. Um, And I think that's something that was really important for me to, to distinguish. um, Yeah. No, I really touch on that because I kind of, reminds me of two things that I actually jotted down as things that I wanted to make sure we, we touched on kind of the difference first and foremost between like big V vocation and like little V vocation. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. like, Especially as, you know, people who are really trying to trying to live our lives as God has called us to, we get really caught up in, like, the big V. Like, have I, like, found my vocation? Am I living my vocation? And, you know, it's a state of life in a sense. Of, like, are you single? Are you married? Are you in a consecrated life? Um, 
but the ways in which the tools that are given, like you were saying, your backpack of supplies to help, you know, ultimately guide you towards salvation kind of fall into that, that bucket of little V vocation, like the way that we, we discern things and we go about living our lives in the day to day that help to point towards the big thing, the big V vocation. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you ever find, oh, go ahead. Yeah. So I think. Uh, I was going to say, did you ever find a, a no, challenge to you? Um, I just heard a priest one time say, and kind of reprimanding Christians, especially was saying, don't discern the discernment, just discern. <laughs> like, so it becomes this big thing. And I was just wondering <laughs> if you, if you experienced that when you were dating and, and what that kind of looked like. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, I'm a textbook overthinker, so I definitely would say that was a pretty big, uh, <laughs> a pretty big part of my discernment was, you know, am I discerning correctly and kind of having that sort of fear of, am I doing this properly? And thankfully I've been blessed with a spiritual director that's got a fantastic sense of humor and um, is really able to, to speak to me when I need it. And one of the things that he told me about my own discernment, and I think this really applies to um, to anyone, he said, if you're being plagued by fears and um, you know, you're, you're feeling these fears of, am I discerning this right? Am I doing this right? Um, he said to examine that fear. And he said that if it is, does not correspond to a reality, then that fear is not from God. And it's something that you should cast away from you as not being of the Lord. And for me, that was huge because of course I was doing what I always do and overthinking and really kind of getting into my own head. And for me, as soon as he said that, it was like a huge blanket was lifted off of me. Like it was, it was really incredible just to know that I didn't necessarily need to put a lot of stock into some of the emotions I was having because he was right. They were not corresponding to reality. So it was not something that was yeah. from God. So that's kind of, that would be my take on, on that little tidbit from your Yeah, uh, Yeah, you it strikes me too that I, and I sometimes I wrestle with this too, being single, that it, the discernment, because it is, it's so important, you know, discerning your vocation, how you live your life. But at the same time, it's also, it can't, if you focus on the actual process of discernment, you miss all the opportunities to live your life well in the way in which you're called. And I, I know I personally mm -hmm. struggle with that a lot. So I Absolutely. just, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So, um, so kind of just to, to really, I guess, bring this to a practical application of sort of full versus married. Um, I, I definitely, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, <laughs> the thing that I wanted to talk about um, was the topic of, of growing in virtue and what that looks like in both of these stages of life as you're discerning and as you're um, living out your vocation, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, growing in virtue, I always thought, of course, back going back to my grade school self, I always thought that if somebody or even something to say like an order or a group of friends that you're with, I always thought that growing in virtue was this kind of like shining light that would like come up and glow from within you. And that was how you knew you were growing in virtue is when this like bright light was following you around. It's probably heavily based on some illustrations from books that I had growing up, but <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of a very specific book. Um, it's the treasure box books and they've got a series of stories about St. Therese and Therese because she's got this like 
white light coming out from behind her and it's it's adorable and absolutely beautiful but real life doesn't always look like that yes. <laughs> um but for me for me what i have found is growing in virtue oftentimes looks a lot more like challenges mm. for uh, for me when i thought of you know I'm going to find a husband that helps me to grow in virtue. I always kind of imagined that he was like the white light standing behind me, but I'm finding more and more it's, it's the daily life challenges of a person that is maybe testing your patience sometimes, or you're testing yeah. your patience or, uh, <laughs> which definitely happens or um, learning how to put your own needs aside and to sacrifice. And um, you know, when you have children, it's learning how to, you know, not lose your temper with them. And it doesn't necessarily look like this bright light. It looks like challenges. And I, I definitely saw those um, in sick times. And I'm sure, Abby, you can speak to this as well. You know, just because you may not have the, the same day-to-day um, -day life as someone who's married when you're single, I think there's just as many challenges that you have to overcome in order to grow in virtue. Yeah, no, and thank you for kind of setting it up that way. That's a really great way to think about it. Even just hearing you mention, like, being patient with, you know, people with you, you know, your husband in your case. And I was just thinking how like, yeah, I've had opportunities recently to really practice patience and humility with those, you know, my friend group and my <laughs> workplace and all. And they don't it, just because, I mean, it, it's a little different, obviously not coming home with them every night. Um, but, so there's a little bit of a different kind of setup in that um, of how much I have to see these people and, and how much that there's a long-term investment in that relationship. But nonetheless, I think it's really important to recognize that, I mean, especially when, when you're single and you're not married, you have a lot of time to really work on yourself and not to kind of just kind of twiddle your thumbs like, oh, this is great, but it'd be better when I'm married because X, Y, and Z and recognizing like, well, you know, yes. <laughs> there are great gifts that we have at different parts in our lives and um, just really recognizing those things and not taking them for granted, I think really allows us to get more out of our different stages of life. I know we've talked about this before about kind of each recognizing and coming to peace with that we have different things in different phases of our life because, you know, you are married, you have a baby, you, have, you take care of, uh, whereas I don't. And so like what that looks like for me and I have different, I have different, you know, constraints of my time, but at the same time I have time to, you know, maybe volunteer more to you know, pay off student loans in a little more of an aggressive way. Cause it's just me. Um, I can travel and really take more time on my self-improvement, which hopefully down the road will, will make marriage a little bit, a little bit easier. Not, we'll see. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what you what you said that was a great point. Um, I'm glad you brought that up. It actually reminded me of a quote from um, the Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, mm. and this was definitely yes, definitely a, something I found myself falling into when I was single. It was the idea of living, not living in the present, and that was something in. So, for our listeners that have not read the Screw Tape Letters, it's a collection of letters from. Um, one senior devil to a devil in training, and I believe it's his yes, nephew. it is, <laughs> and it, it is a very uh, poignant and um, very well written um, kind of treatise on the human condition. And for me, I mean, every time I read it, it's like, oh my gosh, like did Lewis know me personally? I mean, this feels like it was literally written about. A lot of people can really relate to that, but. There's a part in the book where I think it's a specific letter that says um, the senior double is saying to, you know, always keep, either keep the, the humans that you're trying to either in the past 
and have them be dwelling on things that have already happened or have them look forward to the future constantly thinking, oh, you know, once this happens, I'll be happy. Or once this happens, I'll be able to pray more. Or once, um, you know, this certain, that's when I'll, that's when I'll start, you know, really doing what I need to do. Um, and he said, you know, at all costs, distract them from the present moment because the present moment is what changes, what, where change oh, like happens. That. And for me, I definitely, I fell into that, of course, when I was single thinking, you know, oh, it, once I have a husband, once I have a home, once I have a child, oh, that's when I'll be able to really start praying. And now, of course, I find myself falling right back into that of, oh, well, once the baby goes to sleep or once I'm able to clean up after dinner and it's, you know, constantly pushing off that, that change and that, um, I guess what it is that you're, you're looking to accomplish spiritually, I find myself kind of almost pushing that off to the, to the back burner. And I think it's a good thing to kind of recognize that sooner rather than later. Cause then, you know, like the book says, all well, the present is one change. That's happen. really powerful. I feel like I need that. I got a quote somewhere in my room just to like see it regularly. Cause I know it's, it's so <laughs> tem- tattooed on my arm. <laughs> <Down> your arm. <laughs> never forget, never forget. <laughs> um, but it's funny you'd say that because that really strikes me about something that I've been taking to prayer more and not in my own discernment of just life and kind of the, the overall point, kind of direction of my life is just how much the devil truly seeks to take our peace and how you really can't strengthen mm-hmm. that relationship regardless of what state of life you're in, whether it be you know, married life or single life, um, unless you're able to have peace. And that's an ongoing process. I don't think mm-hmm. it's something you just like, all right, I have peace. Now my spirit can grow. And my soul will come closer to God. Like, I think that's part of the, the journey and the challenge. But I just have just become very convicted about how important it is to take time for silence and to be able to make time in your heart for peace. Because I think, again, when you can be present in your soul, that's again maybe where that change can really take root because it's not being bombarded by you know, fears, hopes, worries. It's just being so rooted and grounded. Um, yeah, that you have time to really let it kind of seep into your bones a little bit. And there's a really great book by Father Jacques Philippe, which I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone in our friend group has read, The Searching for Maintaining Peace book. Truly has been a life changer for me in my prayer life and recognizing that, like you were saying, you can't, it's not, oh, next stage of my life, I'll obviously have more time for prayer or time for this. Um, but recognizing that, like, it happens now. And I think recognizing now that I'm, <laughs> heading into my late twenties, which is a little bit shocking for me to realize sometimes. Um, But but you know what I mean? It's like, we're now the adults that we imagined ourselves as kids to be. And like, what does that look like? Kind of like you were saying, having all those same books myself, I did a lot of reading of the lives of the saints as a kid. I idolized what the life of sanctity looks like. I mean, wearing a hair shirt, you know, like walking on hot coals, whatever that looked like. It, it seems easy when you're just reading it in a book because it's, <laughs> it's very black and white. You're not really seeing the struggle that went into that. You're just seeing the saints kind of succeed. Um, but there's, you know, there's great struggle in that as well, but returning again to just relying on God in that. So it's very much childlike yeah, in terms of like giving that back to you, Lord, but also looking <laughs> for that peace to kind of remain grounded. Right. Absolutely. No, and I I think that it's Mm -hmm. good to remember that, you know, in the next life, there will only be the present. There won't be any of these other dimensions of time will be pretty much, I mean, we'll be outside of time. And so it's, it's comforting to know that too, that 
this time that we're in this cycle of past, present, and future, it is very fleeting. Yeah. And eventually yeah. we'll, you know, we'll only be left oh, with the present I like moment. That. So do you have any tips, Lizzie, for a single woman looking to live her vocation better now that you, I'm asking, it's not oh, always desired when goodness. we're kind of lectured about the beauties <laughs> of the single life, but because I'm asking, lay it on. <laughs> sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, and I do have to say the grass is always greener on the other side because I do. I mean, I, I love my husband and of course I love my son, but there are days where it's like, oh man, to be young and single again and to be able to go wherever <laughs> I want and do whatever I please. Um, <laughs> so my, my first piece of advice would just be to, you know, enjoy that time because there, there's not going to be, unless of course God is calling, um, you know, some people to a life of just being single and that is their vocation. Um, just a quick side note, I want to say that um, I had a very beautiful example of this in my life, and, and I still do. Um, my mom's aunt, so my great aunt, um, yes. now I was actually meeting her. Um, she's in her late 90s now, but she was always single. I don't even, I don't believe she was ever consecrated. She was just a single woman, and she had a very successful life, a very successful career. She really threw herself into working for the church and giving to the church as much as she could. She attended daily mass. Um, I mean, just she was very, very, very involved, and I think that people they may find that a little daunting and a little scary, but I think that God can definitely do a lot of beautiful work through the hands and lives of single people. And that's something society, I think, is maybe forgotten and overlooked. So mm -hmm. that would be my number one tip would be to say that, you know, look and see what God is calling you to do with that vocation of being a single person. Yeah. Temporary vocation. There may be something that he's calling you to do that only you can do at mm -hmm. that time. Um, I definitely would say to travel and see the world and um, you know, really experience different cultures, different ideas, because once you are more tied down either to a, you know, a religious order, a consecrated life, or um, married with children, it's a lot harder to experience some of those things. And I think that broadening experience and being able to meet and talk to people of other cultures can really bring out a lot um within ourselves that we didn't mm -hmm. even know it was there. yeah oh totally and it's yeah exactly and I think it's just and I know um... no no what Sorry, were you saying I think you kind of broke up a little bit on your end oh yeah I was just saying I was gonna say that um you've really been um living out that <laughs> bit, Abby yeah lately and it's been really well, I'll have to send you, you lots of photos. What uh, Lizzie kind of is referring to is that I'm very blessed to have the opportunity. And I will actually be um, in Israel for 10 days starting tomorrow. So yeah. <laughs> very excited about that. I've never been to that part of the world before. Um, but looking forward to it. I think it'll be an incredible opportunity. My, I'm actually sitting in my room looking at my very packed suitcase and just praying that it's under 50 pounds. <laughs> oh, definitely. You know, I mean, it just happens, you know, somehow dressing for basically Texas weather, but being out of the country for 10 mm -hmm. days, it just means you have to bring everything, which translates to a uh, <laughs> little bit of a side, a little diversion. It turns into there. a logistical, oh. I'm sure. But yes. Yes. Um, 
So, yeah. So then um, another piece of advice I would have, um, and this is kind of going off of a book that I say I read, I really devoured it. It was like, I couldn't stop reading, um, is Jennifer Fulmeyler's One Beautiful Dream. Nice. Yes, I just read that book um, last week. I finished it off in like two days. (laughs) And um, one of the things that she brings up a lot in that book is talking about finding your blue flame. You know, what is it that makes you come alive? And for her, it was writing, which is, of course, why she, you know, she's definitely got that gift for sure. Um, And I was talking to a few other moms um, just a couple days ago about how we kind of have lost that blue flame and we're going to figure out what is it that makes us come alive and what is it that causes our hearts to really fly heavenward. And our lives have been so busy and preoccupied, we've kind of forgotten what it, what that even looks like. And so that would be my next piece of advice would be to, you know, find whatever that is, whether it's calligraphy, whether it's um, reading, traveling, writing, uh, music, Mm -hmm. something, whatever it is find it and then don't let it go Um, because once you let it go it's really hard to get it back again (laughs) could you share maybe what you've been realizing in your life is your blue flame well uh I would love to but I'm still trying to figure out what that is well TBD (laughs) Um, for a while it TBD I I am kind of exploring some some old hobbies I used to have um things like um beadwork and uh, of course, reading, writing, and uh, music was always very important to me. So in the limited spare time that I have, um, <laughs> I've been kind of trying to experiment with those, but still trying to kind of really figure out what is it that can kind of take me heavenward yeah. every time, because I really like that. Sure. And I'm just going <laughs> to... So we're still working on one. No, that's great that you were thinking about that and like giving yourself room and time not to like force something into like, you know, your square peg into a round hole kind of thing like you're giving it time to like let that feel how it sits and sits with you Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely I think that's and and you know you grow and you change and things that used to be you know used to think were really important to you you know they're not necessarily as as refreshing as they used to be just due to external circumstances or even just people changing yeah and I think it's good to be kind of gentle with yourself on that oh I love that I really do and I'm just going to add this in there maybe my married friends will appreciate me saying this as a single woman, but as a single woman saying this because I have lots of friends who are married, I joke that I have had, oh gosh, 18 roommates since I started college and nine of them are engaged or married. So I've got good odds here, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but we have so much free time that we don't even recognize. So this is the time when we need to be really looking at ourselves and critically in a positive way saying like, oh my gosh, I have all this time that I don't even realize how valuable this free time is. Like I have time mm-hmm. to sit around and you know just watch an episode of something or read a book without having a little one coming and be like, "Mom, mom," you know, like mm-hmm. or whatever that may or, be. Or worse than that, passing out on the couch after twenty minutes of whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely been my reality lately. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I don't know how you do your full time with a little one. Um, but God's grace, that's all. God's grace. <laughs> <laughs> but see, exactly my point though. Like you, you have really tapped into that resource, and I think that sometimes it's easy as single lay people to not recognize like what the value of our time really is. And so I I think investing in community Mm -hmm. is really important. Trying to be active in our parish. Um, It's part of the reason I've taken on teaching CCD, which has been a challenge, no doubt there. Um, But, Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. It was so interesting. I taught RCIC this past year, which I didn't realize it was RCIC until I got there. So it's uh, right of Christian Mm -hmm. initiation for children. So these children were, 
not catechized at all. Like it was, I mean, I was, I would be very torn between like laughing and crying over some of the things that they would ask because it made me realize how blessed I was to grow up in a family that really did. It was just part of the normal routine. Like I had a girl who asked me around Christmas time, you know, we're doing Advent wreath, doing all this stuff to really hit home. You know, it's time of waiting and time of all this stuff. And she comes up to me so seriously and goes, um, does, does God like Christmas? Like somehow in the midst of all this, like I failed to connect to her that like Christmas is Jesus's birthday. Like that, I didn't even realize that I needed to say that. Um, so that was very eye opening. But I just share that because I think it's, you know, we don't realize that we also have a gift of time now. You know, we're not just investing in ourselves, but we're able to give to other people in a way that isn't the easiest. And I can come visit my friends who have kids and spend time just hugging their babies so they can do a few things, <laughs> whatever that may look like. Um, but how we can support each other in our vocations is yes, really fruitful, I think, as well. And I'm just going to add one more thing in there, but I just want to say as a thank you for always being so encouraging in your vocation of my vocation, because I think that that's not always something we see that kind of um, support of each other. I think it's easy, like, oh, you don't know how easy you have it or like whatever, but we, you know, there's, there's growth that we help each other in (laughs) where we are at. Absolutely. I think it's important. That's actually a point I wanted to, to, touch on today is important to have you know friends of all different kinds I think it's it's you know very beneficial to have friends that are you know older and have older children you can kind of have somebody to bounce Mm -hmm. it off bounce ideas off of Um, it's important to have friends that are are moms of you know young moms and have children in the same age group and I'm very blessed to have a couple of different uh, moms like that that I can go to just to vent and and ask for support and encouragement um And then I think it's also important to have friends that, you know, aren't necessarily of that same vocation as you yet. Um, I was actually thinking about this this morning. I'm going to be very sad when all of my friends are married and I don't have anybody to be, you know, talking about the date that they went on (laughs) or, you know, expressing interest in some, you know, handsome fellow they saw at church. It's going to kind of be a sad day, the ending of an era when we're all old married people and nobody's got any exciting things going on in their life anymore. (laughs) But Johnny has a new tooth, so we're good. What's that? Sorry, it was a bad joke. I said, but Johnny has a new tooth, so. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. It's still, it's fun to to really, um, I don't know, to share in, share in that uncertainty. Um, Oscar Wilde has a quote that I absolutely love and I think it really defines Um, it really hits the nail on the head. Um, He says, the very essence of romance is uncertainty. Of course. I think that uh, share in that uncertainty with people. Um, We have, uh, Abby and I have a a mutual friend that is, you know, just on the verge of of becoming engaged. (laughs) We're all just on pins and needles, you know, wondering when's it going to be, when's it going to be? But I mean, that uncertainty is just, it's so exciting. And so um, I love that I get to participate in that with, you know, my friends that haven't necessarily taken those marriage vows yet and that are still, um, still enjoying. Well, you know, we can keep you on pins and needles a bit longer. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) After that, I'm going to have to start watching very poorly written sitcoms in order to get my answers. Well, (laughs) see what I can do. (laughs) 
Um, but just to, to kind of bring that, bring that back of the importance of having, you know, all different kinds of friends and not limiting yourself to, you know, oh, well, this person's not in the same stage of life, so they're not going to really yeah. understand what I'm going through. Or, you know, I think it's very important to, to have, excuse me, to have that diversity and to be able to draw on the wisdom that, you know, each individual mm-hmm. person. Yeah, that's offer. so true. Cause it- you know, they may be able to relate more to what's going on in our lives and support us better than someone who is in our position of life, um, in our specific vocations. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Yeah, no, I love that Absolutely. a lot. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts or hints for not hints? That's not the right word. <laughs> um, I think from a practical standpoint, um, I know you mentioned this earlier, just, you mentioned paying down your student student loans as much mm-hmm. as you can. Um, you know, when I was fresh out of college, I hadn't met my husband yet and uh, wasn't seeing anyone, wasn't even remotely into that part of my life yet. Um, and I remember being able to work a lot of overtime and not having any guilt for that, just knowing, oh, you know, I'll get home a little bit later. Um, but just being able to recognize that kind of financial gift of you know, being able to get a little bit ahead and pay down some loans or tuck a little bit away for the future. Um, it makes a big difference when, <laughs> when things are, are coming back around and you know, you're married and you have a house and you have a baby and, you know, you're looking at finances and, it, you know, having that little extra tucked away or having that little bit um, paid down on whatever it is that you know, would be at student loans or yeah. other of, um financial pressures it's you know it's really nice to have um kind of invested that time um, so I definitely don't want to downplay that at all I think that's awesome and Abby I'm sure your future husband is going to be thrilled to know that I'm putting that work towards that and uh or or your future religious vocation I don't you know don't want to necessarily <laughs> close any doors I know you as much of a desire but um it's to do for sure and just you know really take that time to work on yourself and and travel and to yeah just embrace the world (laughs) yeah no that's so true and I love that this is like kind of coming into different areas I mean obviously vocation touches so many sides of our life and I was really fortunate I was um, Mm -hmm. speaking on a panel this past week for our the interns at our organization when they come through there's a lot of intentional programming that they're given the opportunity to go to and we do men and women's mentorship luncheons and so I was like I love it. I, I just really enjoy getting to build a relationship with these fantastic people who come through and spend their summers or spring and fall in D.C. And um, the panel that I was on this past week got me out. It always gets me thinking because I get to the same topic every every semester. Uh, but it's about work-life mm-hmm. balance. And I think that it's easy for me to kind of to speak to that because it's something I've tried to really give a lot of thought to. But hearing the questions that were coming up from these, from these young women who are also you know, like looking up and thinking, wow, you do all these amazing things. And it's like, well you kind of just have to begin by building yourself that process, but, you know, actually just setting out into the deep, so to speak, and actually, you know, trying out these things and, you know, building yourself the skills and the connections and the, you know, that long-term plan, even though you may not be building it right now with someone else, but still, you know, not just waiting for for your vocation, so to speak, to kick in to begin doing these things in your life, because who knows, maybe by doing those things, that's how you'll meet the person you're going to marry or whatever that may be. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I, my, met her husband at work and um so yeah you yeah. know <laughs> very true it's always good to have those <laughs> you really never know could be <laughs> I feel like that sounds like a good cartoon though <laughs> like they just jump out at the street like hello 
but yeah because I think again going back (laughs) but you know what I mean kind of going back to those those books those kids saint books I just imagine sometimes you would just like just like your vocation to like a religious life you're just like the right order would have like a light bulb over the door just like flashing like enter the dominicans like if you're called to marry that the right guy would just like walk by with a sign that says me kind of thing and that's obviously not the way that that life goes and so that's why i think mature discernment really does we need to talk about it but it also has to be kind of in the context of living still you know we can't definitely hit pause too much thing i hit also um yeah for sure i think um that was something i had to kind of come to understand and discuss with my uh, spiritual advisor, the, the same priest that gave me the, the same advice about fear. Um, you know, I, I told him that, yeah, you know, I was pretty sure I was supposed to marry Lance, but, you know, I, I wasn't sure because I had this kind of idea in my head and I was struggling to kind of see the two come together. And he kind of laughs and, and sits back and looks at me and he says, so basically you have like the, the form, you know, to borrow from Aris, uh, Aquinas and Aristotle, you have the form of future husband, but now you're trying to kind of see like, ah, here is future <laughs> husband. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. That was, was very, because um, he was right. I was kind of had this form idea in my head and, you know, here I'm trying to say, well, you know, is this person the form <laughs> of future husband? And, you know, you can't do that. He's a person. He's not an idea. He's a, a real living person and um, sometimes I think especially uh, as Catholics we can get kind of caught up in the idea of you know there's this idea that you've been praying for and thinking and hoping and trying to find yeah sometimes it hits you in the face not expecting or when um, you know there's there's no form that kind of comes down and perfectly matches up and you say but thank oh, goodness yes. for that yeah, how boring would that actually be if that's form. the way that worked <laughs> Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Although I do feel like it would have been a little bit uh, easier to navigate the dating waters if there had been kind of like a light bulb <laughs> that had sort of gone on. <laughs> now you it know. Is. <laughs> but yeah. Would you say that you kind right, of exactly? I feel like could have. I'm sorry. Uh, no, I was just saying. Did you? When did you kind of feel like you knew that he was the one? Mm, goodness, that's kind of hard because I feel I feel like I I knew it, but I didn't want to let myself know it. Um, and some vulnerability issues that I needed to get over. Uh, but I would say probably around the time that uh, we got engaged was when it was, it was very soon after we got, or I'm sorry, very soon before we got engaged when I realized that this was, you know, this was the man I was called to be with. And, and it, it was in a different way, I'd say, um, than I thought kind uh-huh. of what I had mentioned earlier. We thought that, you know, my future husband would, you know, guide me to Christ on, you know, a shining beam of light, but it kind of came the other way. It's in, you know, challenging and um, I guess being challenged. As, it's not necessarily an easy path, but that's the path that's going to get you to salvation. And I think for me, that was something I had to come to understand is that my path to salvation was not going to be an easy path. And in not to say that it's hard to be married to him, not at all, but he definitely challenges me in ways that Mm -hmm. no one else ever has. And to me, for me personally, that was what was going to lead me to God was that challenge. Wow. I really like that though, because it's much more human than kind of those like 
don't get me wrong i'm a sucker for a good romantic story about like they saw each other and they just knew and it just <laughs> they got engaged like three months later and got married six months later you know like <laughs> i get it definitely yeah. not my story <laughs> someone. this is very catholic and they're like yeah it's a three six nine and i was like the what and they're like they get they start dating for three months and they get engaged six months later they get married nine months later they have a baby just like oh, so that's, that's some interesting <laughs> math but <laughs> definitely it was not my story I was a little bit more resistant just because I'm a stubborn person sometimes and um I I didn't want that timeline I even told uh Lance on our our one our one year anniversary I was like if you propose tonight I'm saying no (laughs) (laughs) just because I didn't want to be that statistic of oh they've been dating for a year they must be getting married I was like no absolutely not and of course little did I know he actually had the ring in his pocket just in case the opportunity presented itself you almost could have gotten engaged in your one year that's hysterical Oh, oh, if he had had his way, we would have been engaged a lot sooner, which actually was a huge help in our discernment process um, for him being so sure so soon. I mean, we had barely been dating for six months. And he had told me that he wanted to marry me. And of course, I was like, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Slow down. I'm not ready for this. Yeah. But having that leadership of somebody that was so sure, like, no, we're, I'm, I'm supposed to marry you. And, and he would trooper he was patient he was um you know just absolutely wonderful um I just took me a little while to kind of come around to that but I'm so glad I did because he's definitely the best thing that's ever happened to me oh <laughs> Lizzie that's so sweet <laughs> uh, yes it's it's definitely a freeing and wonderful thing to realize that you know you really have found the person that you're you were made for, even though that doesn't always look like the shiny beacon of light coming down from the heavens and like transporting you up in like white robes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm having a hard time uh, picturing it's... Lance wearing white robes, but you know. Yes, <laughs> uh, I'm sure he would appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think he would enjoy that sort of uh, outfit. <laughs> <laughs> Who can say? <laughs> this is true this is very true this has been so cool just to hear more of your perspective on on vocation and whatnot especially again being someone I feel like who you really recognize the beauty of the different stages of vocation in life that you've had um and thank Mm -hmm. you for always sharing that and being so honest about both the the positives and the the challenges of married life because I think sometimes it gets a little bit sugar-coated like oh it's just perfect (laughs) yes that's been my my mission from the start was to say that you know, some people have the sugar-coated version, and that's great. But for me, it definitely was not so sugar-coated. And I'm trying to make sure that everybody knows that it's okay if it's not sugar-coated and tied up with a bow and looks pretty and beautiful. I mean, life is real. It's raw. It's emotional. It's ups and downs. And it's so that's like my personal goal, <laughs> yeah. just to be realistic and, and let people know it's okay to not have everything yeah tied up oh, I together. Love that. thank you again Lizzie I really appreciate all your your words of wisdom and I hope this is helpful to our listeners <laughs> I, I hope so too I hope there's you know at least one person that can listen to this and think ah okay yes you got this yeah I can very this. much so. <laughs> well all right. all right shall we wrap up all right I was going to say, this seems like a good place to stop. Thank you so much for listening today and uh, we'll see you guys next time.